To South Sudan now, where millions of people are on the brink of starvation. Years of catastrophic floods have wiped out crops, cattle and infrastructure, and they're stopping children from getting to school. That's exacerbating poverty and more girls being sold into marriage. Earlier, UNICEF spokesperson Shelley Knowles told me about girls who'd refused their husbands and ended up in prison. They have been in the north of the country. It's an area called Awil, speaking to children who time and time again in prison have been telling me how much they miss going to school. And I spoke just last week with a 16-year-old girl, and she'd run away from her boyfriend's house, refusing to marry an old man. But her father had sold her in advance um, for the price of six cows. Now, unfortunately, we hear this time and time again. It is not uncommon. Over half of all girls in South Sudan are married before their 18th birthday. And unfortunately, we expect this number will increase as we're seeing rising numbers of people facing food insecurity. So I was was sitting with her on a plastic mat just on the floor, and it was about halfway into our conversation when I noticed that she had the words embroidered on her skirt, and it was, I love And it just broke my heart in that moment because she just told me how much she loved school. And yet in South Sudan, shockingly, 70% of children are out of school. So that's why UNICEF and partners are working so hard to get children back into the classroom by training teachers, by strengthening infrastructure. We're also working with a partner to provide food for, for school students as well. Why are so many children unable to attend school? Oh, well, another boy I spoke to, he was 12 years old and he dropped out of school at age nine and his mother um, was wiping tears away, she told me this, and she couldn't afford the school fees. So there are a number of reasons. That's just one. Um, uh, as I mentioned to you just before, girls uh, having to marry before the age of 18 and having to drop out of school. And we're also seeing flooding having a massive impact on children even getting to school. So we're talking about record floods and children are wading through waters. Um that it may be knee height and in some instances even higher. And they are terrified of snake bites. So there are for a number of reasons that children are missing out on going to school. I just want to go back to the your visits to the prison. How many children are we talking here? How many did you meet with? And uh, yeah, why were they there? For a number of reasons, but it was very tight security there. And so I had to be very careful with the details I'm sharing. But there were 44 boys and eight girls. And so I spoke to a couple, um, sorry, two or three um, children in more more detail. Um, But yes, two of the girls had been... had been in arranged marriages. A lot of the children that were there had also started in the markets and they had dropped out of school. So that's the same repetitive theme that they've had to drop out of school to help their families earn some money. And then there they're getting involved in petty crimes, which is leading them into jail. And there's mounting food insecurity problems in South Sudan at the moment. Absolutely. And these are shocking numbers. And what we're looking to now is projections for next year. So two thirds of the population of South Sudan are likely to face acute food insecurity. And this is in the lean season from April to July. And that's 2.9 million people are on the verge of starvation. And what UNICEF are particularly concerned about, just one of the many areas in which we're working in, is the number of children that are then malnourished. And I've... um, worked for UNICEF for a number of years and um, it never gets easier to step into a clinic and meet 
um, children that are malnourished, whether it's in Afghanistan, uh, Timor-Leste, or in Cox's Bazaar. It always just really hurts your heart um, because you know you're going in and you're either going to be hearing the screams of children or an eerie silence. And so I meet a, a little boy, Wilson. When I say little, he's two years old and his weight had dipped really suddenly to less than six kilograms. And his doting father was holding him in his arms and really propping him up because he had no energy. And so he's the good news is that little Wilson is only alive today because of ready-to-use therapeutic food. Magic formula, you can go on unicef.org.nz to find out more if you're interested. And UNICEF, just in South Sudan, have been able to treat over 230,000 children just like Wilson this year. So I appreciate you can't see me smiling right now, but I am when I see those kind of numbers. And when I know that little children who have just suffered so much are being able to um, have a chance to be able to survive and live a fulfilling childhood. I think many of us would struggle to imagine what it would be like to visit one of those clinics. Can you kind of paint a picture for us and, yeah, describe what it is like to visit somewhere like that and see such malnourished children? Um, well, it depends where you are. And some of them are clinics, like the little boy Wilson was in the only children's hospital in Juba. And his his story was rather remarkable because the, the father was studying environmental science and he was also working, but many of um, civil servants aren't either paid on time. And so families are really struggling. And so there was a nurse, Betty. Now she had worked in there for three decades, um, supporting children and also their parents. And it was part of really her and her team of dedicated medical professionals that were able to then support little Wilson and his family. So somewhere at the hospitals like that, other places are like tented hospitals. And there was a camp, the largest camp in, is in Bintu, which I've been to in the north, that is home, if I can call it that, to 110,000 people that have fled uh, more recently because of flooding, but initially because of violence. And there was a woman there in her 20s that I met who was supporting as a volunteer at the UNICEF Nutrition Clinic. And her role had been has been to go out into the community of the camp and identify children that are malnourished, um, sorry, children that are malnourished and bring them into the camp where they can get the life-saving support they need. But everyone you meet, whether it's health, health services, I'm sorry, health providers or health um health practitioners will all tell you about the impacts of flooding and of climate change and of violence on children. Are the people struggling with food insecurity, the hungry, being used in South Sudan as geopolitical pawns? Our mandate for UNICEF is to protect the rights of children. So it's not something I can really comment on because my area of expertise is looking at how UNICEF supports children. We are non-political. Our mandate is to protect the rights of uh, rights of children. You have. I, I want to touch on what it's like to be in in South Sudan as an aid worker, and I understand that uh, just before you arrived, that an aid worker was killed uh, outside a, a hospital. Is that right? Yeah, um, yeah, actually right next to a UNICEF clinic. And that was in the area that I was just taught, telling you about and been to you in the camp. Uh, yes, the, the situation in parts is volatile. It's not all across the country, but it is South Sudan is one of the most violent contexts to be an aid worker. A lot of it is intercommunal, intercommunal violence. And in the case we were just talking about, it was to do with deal with revenge killing. So that, I believe, was... Um, many years on from an original incident that took took place. 
Right now, though, um, well, as of September, there has been increasing numbers of people that have been displaced because of violence. And this is in the Upper Nile and Jongle states. So to give you not paint a picture of the, the numbers, it's over an estimated 69,000 people, primarily primarily women and children and the elderly, are reported to have been affected by violence in September. How is, so, sorry, how, how is um, flooding in South Sudan affecting people's ability to eat? Um, it is catastrophic. It is flooding. We're now in the entering the fourth year of floods, and eight out of the ten states in South Sudan have been affected. So crops, cattle, and livelihoods have just been obliterated. I was traveling by road and then by on um, on by boat to reach reach a village. Uh, actually, when I say village, really it's now an island because of the the the, the, the flooding that has just surrounded the small area. And there was one woman um, who was stirring a metal pot of catfish. And she had told me that she had proudly owned cattle earlier that year, but they had, she had lost them all in the flooding, along with ground nuts. And in the pot, she was stirring catfish. And she said to me, that's all her, she had for her and her children, that there was no flour, there was no oil, and there was no vegetables. So Sarsadan, it really is pretty dire at the moment because they're just responsible for just 0.004% of global carbon carbon emissions, but it ranks number seventh in the most affected country and children are bearing the brunt of climate change here.